Welcome to Business Drivers, the podcast dedicated to helping you be a more effective digital leader. Business Drivers is presented by Farron, and I'm your host, Jim Keen. Each episode, we connect you to leaders and ideas that unlock new growth, both professional and personal. Today, our guest is Craig Platson. I feel like I've known Craig forever, but it really hasn't been that long. Craig is definitely the prototype of a modern marketer. He's a great brand strategist, has a really good touch for creative and brand voice, but can also build out compelling content and digital media programs. He's a natural leader, and I've been lucky to work with him in a couple different places. First at General Mills, where he worked on the Big G Serial Digital Portfolio, and then at Go-Kart Labs, where he led digital product strategy for some of Go-Kart's most critical clients. Now he's gone indie, working as a consultant with a variety of companies here in town, including the awesome folks at Antenna, at St. Thomas, and others. He's a teacher, teaching people about digital strategy, and if that's not enough, he's also got his own podcast called The Blend. This is a pretty wide-ranging talk, touching on test and learn, committing to your team, and what not to focus on as you're building your plan for next year. Check out the show notes online for links to Craig and where to find him. Thanks very much for listening. So Craig, a lot has changed for marketing leaders in the last couple of years. What should senior marketing leaders be focused on right now? Should they be focused on the media landscape, creative and content, social engagement, something else, brand fundamentals? What's your recommendation? That's a great question. I, I think there are three things actually that marketing leaders should be considering uh, in this year going into next year. The first one that's top of mind in this article, in this uh, report came out last week from the U.S. Chamber of Commerce about the labor shortage in the United States. So I think the first thing I would recommend marketing leaders focus in on for the next couple of years is finding the best-in-class marketing talent because it's only going to get more difficult. Um, when you consider the following stats that I found interesting in the report, the first one is there was 8.1 million vacant job openings in the U.S., a record high in March of 2021. Uh, secondly, there are approximately half as many available workers for every open job across the country as there have been on average over the past 20 years. And then third, for many industries, primarily healthcare and education more than likely, but as well as like professional services, there's currently fewer available workers than the total number of jobs open. So I've experienced this as a consultant. I've seen my clients going through this on their side and just the level of difficulty in finding great marketing talent has increased dramatically, especially over the course of the past three to six months. So that's, that's the first one. The second one is continuing to close the digitally oriented skills gap on marketing teams. I know we're going to talk about digital as we work through this conversation. Yeah. My experience, whether it's been on the agency side or the client side for the past 10 years, there seem to be common themes of what those gaps are. And they usually include things like UX research and design, content creation, performance marketing, marketing automation, and conversion optimization and analytics. I'm rarely involved in work, and it's in part due to what I do as a consultant, where those uh, handful of activities or, or those skills are, are, are not a gap for existing organizations. So I think the digital capabilities gap is still real. And then lastly, you mentioned brand fundamentals, not overlooking the fundamentals that serve to be like the ingredients for great marketing, whether it's building consumer empathy, 
strong brand positioning and messaging, clear business and marketing objectives, and like ultimately focusing on delivering experiences that matter to people and add value to people's lives uh, in a way that complements what your product or service does is incredibly important. So finding talent is only gonna continue to be more challenging for folks. There continues to be a pretty substantial digital capabilities gap across teams in my opinion. And then also because there's so much happening and there's so much distraction, especially during COVID and where we are now, don't overlook the fundamentals that oftentimes will pay dividends uh, in the long term. That's an ambitious agenda, but it, it, it all makes sense. I've, I've got a couple quick follow-ups. Um, sure. I, just, I just sort of want to do a quick a recap. It's, it's get your brand right, get the fundamentals right, retain the team and get good at all of the new stuff. Yeah, that, that, that's, that's actually a lot. It's deceptively simple, I think, to say it that way. So you were talking about the skills gap and, and marketing leaders, senior marketing leaders should be focused on trying to close the skills gap. And my question, I guess, is, is the skills gap around how to do things or is the skills gap around how to evaluate what good output looks like? Probably a little of both. I mean, I was afraid you were going to say that. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's important for, I'm going to assume a, a really solid marketing leader has the ability to understand what great looks like in whatever capacity of marketing execution that might be. That being said, assuming that's true, uh, they need to assemble the team that allows them to focus on the things that they really should be focused on, knowing that digital and the experiences continue to be at the center of the consumer's interaction with the brand. So I think certainly setting the stage and articulating what great looks like is a really good point and a good reminder of what leaders need to be doing. Just as challenging and as and important though is the devil comes in the details for how you actually get this stuff done. And um, at times there seems to be more of a dependency on an external partner to be doing that type of work for you when you may really want to consider you know, how you might develop that skill or capability internally within your organization. You know, I think one of the challenges to the what does good look like is, and this is my own personal opinion, we're starting to see some brands that are growing really fast in specific channels, and they almost become channel specific brands. So the extreme mm -hmm. example would be like a TikTok brand or brands that are growing direct to consumer commerce, primarily on Instagram and or YouTube brands. But what can marketers learn from some of these brands that are growing on specific channels beyond how to be good on that channel? Yeah, I think the caveat to my answer is we're going to assume this said brand has a great or remarkable product or service to start. <laughs> uh, if that's true, what what I thought about when you when you threw this question my way was you might assume like they're probably a relatively new business, right? They might be starting from a cleaner slate marketing wise and they're relatively native to the, to the platform. Like we talk about uh, a more youthful generation being digitally native. These businesses are social native or Instagram native. So the way in which they're build, building their business is very much to the intricacies of the, of the platform. And I think it's also important if they're relatively new, they're not too concerned about their preconceived notions in terms of what works and what doesn't. 
they might actually just know what works because they're very focused on a specific channel to actually grow their business where there's a lot of detail and nuances to be figured out for an Instagram or a TikTok or a YouTube. And I, you know, (laughs) they're going to where people are engaging. That's good news. They're probably mobile first. They're easy to interact with. It's convenient to buy from them. And then they focus on one platform. So they're continuously experimenting and figuring out the best way to drive engagement and whatever success looks like for them. So I think what marketers can learn from them is to maybe take a a newfound approach to how they explore building their brand on a particular channel. While yes, integrated marketing is great for sure, especially as you have a bigger brand with many different constituents and channels in which it's communicating to your target audiences. But if you're working with uh, an Instagram, as an example, what if you started with the end in mind? Uh, And we did this a lot when I was leading the creative lab at Ovative Group. And if the end is an Instagram story, and you are a brand trying to communicate your value proposition on Instagram, but you assume the output is a six to seven second video or story, you're thinking differently and you're probably going to cut to the chase a lot faster. And what we found were a lot of clients were like, we should take this approach to just like our strategic communication planning. Like how do we get to it quicker? Use these simple methods in a very short form and narrative to communicate our value to the audiences. And so while we were working tactically on Instagram for stories, which then turned into paid advertising and some original content, it actually had big marketer, big brands and marketing leaders rethinking how they approach kind of creative execution and messaging strategy overall. So I think there's a lot to be learned from them and following them closely is is a good idea because then you can apply some of the tactics and techniques they're doing to experiment with your own brand. Yeah. It's, I think a lot of marketers get distracted by, by channel specific executional details and Mm -hmm. they forget about some of the broader uh, foundational things that you just described. Great product, simple message, you know, easy to interact with, easy to transact with. And I think it's just a good reminder that, there's always going to be a new way to execute. There's always going to be a new channel, but you have to be consistent and, and get your fundamentals right so that you can be good at the execution side. Right. And it's not to discount all the details that go into making the most out of a platform. There's a lot there too. I just think if you're a, a bigger brand or a more established brand looking to learn something from socially born brands, I think it's, yes, the execution, but also the techniques they're using to get their brand in front of people in a simple and meaningful way. Yeah. And and to get to the good, uh, effective, creative quickly and in a consistent way. Yeah, exactly. So it's a, it's a interesting time as we're coming out of the pandemic. It's an interesting time because it's mid-year as we record this, um, Mm -hmm. As you're thinking about how you would talk to some of your clients or the other senior marketing leaders that you'll be interacting with over the next couple months, what kind of marketing budget shifts are you going to be telling these marketing leaders to consider as they're turning the corner into 22? And it's making me think about what you were just saying in terms of like, what are the priorities uh, for their focus? (laughs) 
Yeah, right. I think that's always the the first question is let's step back and think about what is the the business trying to accomplish um, and then orient marketing recommendations accordingly. You know, that being said, as you think about refining your your budget allocation for 2022, uh, you know, based on what I've seen and what I'm experiencing, and this is related to the first question you asked, was more investment in talent acquisition, whether that is the humans who are finding the other humans to do modern marketing activities and have those capabilities on your team. That's, that's no small bet, right? And humans are expensive. So I think budgets are oftentimes thought of as like maybe working and non-working dollars in a traditional sense, as you think about your media mix and your investments in creative and, and marketing. But I do think a substantial amount of thought should be put into like, how do we invest more in the human capital we have to make our, to make the most of our budget that might, might be more traditionally thought of as, mm. as a marketing budget. So I think that's a, a huge one. And that's due to the labor shortage and the skill gap that I, that I mentioned. Um, you know, I, I do think there's more to be invested in enabling your digital experience to be a mainstay for engagement. I've read a plethora of articles about so many brands and businesses finally waking up and pivoting to digital due to the pandemic. And I think that's wonderful. What I also think is great about it is we're more in tune with what people really want out of brands. And the main way in which we were communicating with brands during the pandemic was through digital means. And I, that will only carry forward and be more significant for folks. So as you think about your owned digital experience, what you can control through your website and apps and content is all super, super important. And then you think about smartly investing across paid media, what your acquisition strategy looks like, and you're only halfway there, right? Because then you get into marketing automation, understanding the ROI, how do you really scoot people through a journey if you're really focused on lead gen and getting them to buy later. There's so much to figure out there. And while people like us have been doing this for quite some time, and there's always more for people like us to learn, for sure. That's why I love doing what we do. The digital experience just continues to be the thing. And what's in the middle of all marketing communication and experiences for brand. So I think that's a, another thing to spend more money on more than likely, again, depending on what you're trying to accomplish and depending on your audience and where they are, et cetera. But generally speaking, that's probably true. And then the last two are like more about ways of working, but I would say if you can invest more in experiential approaches to finding new ways to grow your business, that's going to serve you well. So, sorry to interrupt. What do you, what do you mean by experiential approaches? Yeah. So I feel like, you know, you, you're trying to figure out your 2022 budget and you've got a million bucks, right? And you're like, man, 60% of it's going here, 20% of it's going there, et cetera. And you might think about the whole, like we should set aside 20% to experiment. A, people rarely do it. You get pushed towards the beginning of next year and you're like, man, we have these things that are really hot. We got to take care of but really protecting that time and that budget to truly experimenting and trying new things that you've actually never done before oh, okay. are critical to growing your business. And there are more formal ways to do that um, than we've had before through learning agendas and other things. So I think experiential is super important, but you have to 
plan for it. You have to plan for an experiment. You don't just like willy nilly it or try something new just to try something new. So I think that's really important. And then the last thing I would say is spend more time finding new ways to work and building fluidity into your planning process versus we're going to spend six months coming up with the PowerPoint plan that articulates our strategy. And then we're going to ship it around to 73 other people and then get it approved. How might you plan in a very, uh, with, with the long-term in mind, maybe you're two to three years out, especially during the pandemic with all the curveballs thrown, you're able to like pivot and think more of like a quarterly planning cadence where you may have your objectives for the years in sight but you're really actually adjusting your plan based on what's happening in market. I just think that's a super important thing. And those Instagram and TikTok brands we talked about earlier definitely are just naturally doing that anyways. Yeah. They probably don't even plan more than three months out. They can't. <laughs> probably not. <laughs> so, um, you know, one of the reasons why I wanted to chat with you and there are a lot of them, but one of the reasons I wanted to chat is you've, You've done some great work for a great shop in town, Ovative, and um, you have, while it's probably not well communicated or well known outside of a outside of your network, you did some really amazing work on trying to build what I think you would describe as a fluid marketing model or a experiment driven model. Um, as you've worked with other brands, how are you seeing them? build fluidity or lowercase a agile into their planning model? What's working? What could, what could most marketers apply in the next couple of months based on what you've seen without, without a wholesale rethink of their marketing process? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Which, which in and of itself is like a really uh, challenging starting point to even get a marketing leader to consider yeah. a different way, right? You're, you're very familiar with this yourself. I think I recently started working with a startup and I want to come back to that in a minute because I believe fluidity and experimentation and agility, of course, is in their DNA because they're in a different stage of their, their business growth for, for bigger companies. Um, as you've seen, as you've experienced, both of us on the client side, both of us on the service side, consulting at an innovation company for huge companies, you know, it's rare for large, more mature organizations to successfully like adapt and apply agile principles in general, but to marketing in particular, for sure. My observation is for them, it feels more like it's like frameworky and aspirational more than actually focused on figuring shit out and how to like expedite experimentation and speed to market. So it feels a little bit like jazz hands at times to me. Yeah. And I, I do think the intention is, is there in terms of wanting to work different, but the actual ability to work different is just so hard when it's so many people in the organizations so complex, because then what happens is you have a parading of decks, methodologies, examples, and what it could be scenarios I find that to be inspirational, but I also like to actually do the work and get it in front of customers. So for bigger companies, it feels like it's actually <laughs> drawing from my teaching experience. It feels very academic and theory-based versus pragmatic and applicable. And I'm not sure about you, but as a student, I love having some 
exposure to theory and to the academic side of how you might solve a problem, but I love being pragmatic and trying to figure out how to actually work against a framework to solve a problem and get a product out and market. So <laughs> that was a long way of saying, I think uh, organizations, bigger organizations in particular are, are still quite a ways away, although I know there's a lot of effort and investment going into it. Yeah. But then as you think about marketing in particular, oftentimes the agile approach is more on the product and service side and not necessarily applied to uh, an organization's marketing efforts. It, it's easy to communicate the frameworks. It's hard to provide specific direction on where to start and, and how to dig in. I'm, I'm in a situation right now where um, we're working very closely with a, I would call it an, an emerging brand that has mm-hmm. got a, a human-sized, not a megacorp size, but a human-sized marketing budget. And yeah. Um, I, I've got a front row seat on how to go from jazz hands into like, okay, we're actually going to be planning our spend on a two week cycle. Let's go. And it's actually hard to put it into action. Um, but it's thrilling once you get some rhythm going, but it's it's hard. It's It's hard. It's really, it's really, really hard. And that's, as I was, I was mentioning earlier, that's where I think smaller companies and startups in particular uh, one of my clients now is in uh, the healthcare startup space, and they they're agile and iterative by nature. It's in their DNA. They spun up uh, an, and invented a new product and a service. It's it's a product led leader um, who understands sprinting um, versions, <laughs> yeah. and then adapting and iterating based on customer feedback. As a marketer, I love that. I, I am very much in line and am oftentimes humbled by what I think might be a good strategy and idea. You get it in a market and if it works, it's super awesome. If it doesn't work, it's very like personal and you're like, I got to figure this out. But the good news is I have feedback and we did it in a relatively short period of time for a relatively small amount of money and we can change things. And so for, for this client in particular, I don't have to bang my head against all the wall for the frameworks and the mindset and the mentality. It's really like, where do we focus? Yeah. Because like I wrote down all the things that we're trying to figure out right now. Are we B2B or are we direct to consumer? Well, that's a big one. Who's our audience? What do they need to know? How do we prioritize targeting them? That's a big one. What is the proper value prop and messaging for these particular audiences? How do we execute creative? Where is the best place to acquire these users? However, we're doing it all in a sprint-like fashion where they are very attuned to hearing things like learning agendas. All right, Platson, we want to see if direct mail versus paid Facebook makes sense for this audience. How do we do it? We come up with an idea and a plan and some assumptions. We get into market for two weeks, execute and come back and report to the founder and CEO and let him know what happened. And we make relatively educated decisions in a short period of time of how to pivot and move forward. You got to write the book when you're done with this or do the course, <laughs> the online course when you're done with this. Well, the good news is that that's, the stuff is out there and it exists. I, I just think what you're getting at here that I think is really important is not a lot of marketing leaders applied this thinking to how they approach their business. 
they want to, but they, they, they don't, they can't get from the, yeah, we should be more fluid. We should be more agile. I wish we had agility in our model, but they can't go from that into like, okay, I, let's, let's start, let's just do something. Right. So, um, I'm, I'm working with this emerging human sized company to just pick something small. We're, you know, we're using, this will sound really familiar, but we're using social media to clarify the value prop and the targeting. And we're doing that on a two week cycle. And we're using that as a way to prepare for sales conversations with buyers at Walmart and Target and CVS. And, and we're, use, we're, we're building intuition and in, in, in data using a more agile approach in social. Sound familiar? Yeah. Yeah, it does. Well, cool. Hey, I want to ask you a couple questions. Uh, I, I'm asking everybody. So these are sort of like rapid fire rounds. So what's a book or a podcast that you're recommending right now? Other than your own podcast? So many podcasts, so little time. Uh, I have several. The ones that come to the top podcast wise are uh, Brave New Work by The Ready. They just talk about new thinking, innovation, transformation. They're a consulting company. Yeah. The founder of the undercurrent, Aaron Dignan is the host yeah. and it's, it's great. It's really good content. So that kind of helps me just get fresh thinking about how to approach solving business problems. Um, more related to, to marketing and entrepreneurship, how I built this with Guy Raz, I know is probably on a lot of people's lists, but those are great stories of like the origination of how a business was formed. I find those to be really interesting stories uh, more specific to marketing, uh, pivot with Kara Swisher. <laughs> she offers a very fresh, thought provocative uh, take on all things in Silicon Valley. Uh, those three come to mind. There are many others, but uh, that's the best and easiest way for me to get smart in my walks, taking my daughter to daycare or wherever there's a situation where I can actually have some time to put earbuds in my ear and have time to myself. <laughs> it's hard to find that. Yeah, for everyone. So in the world of marketing or digital media, what's getting too much hype right now? Yeah, I you know, I didn't answer your question as it relates to what's overhyped in digital media. I, I find, and this is probably just due to how we've all been working, but remote working to me is overhyped. Uh, <laughs> it's been forced upon us and it's been awesome to see companies and people adapt I also just see and observe and experience um, uh, a tired audience yeah. uh, in terms of working remotely. And I just hope and would value marketing leaders and leaders in general, making sure they're, they're asking their teams how they want to be working and what has really been great about the past year and a half and how they carry it forward. But also being real about there was life pre-pandemic and then how do you balance those two things to have uh, a really interesting way of working moving forward. I like that answer. So the flip side of that is what's getting underhyped. What aren't we paying enough attention to? Yeah. So this, you know, just roll with me for a minute on this one. I don't have a super quick answer, but I think I can get there in another minute. Um, <laughs> you also mentioned this as like important topics that should be on the radar for digital leaders. And from that perspective, I would say, like the ability for highly motivated, incredibly smart people to learn and understand new and complex things. 
I do think that we forget that as humans about each other a lot. And it's yeah. a super important component to being a progressive, knowledgeable, curious, relentless, modern marketer. And with digital, I oftentimes observe like a, I don't get it mentality. And then companies spend a significant amount of resources on external partners to figure it out. So then it had me thinking, right? Like what I wonder though, is should marketing leaders really be focused on finding new ways to cultivate more meaningful learning experiences, help grow the marketers on their teams. So that then turns into like, well, how might we internally like learn internally and begin applying that knowledge based on the resident Intel we have about what this company is trying to accomplish. That to me that resident knowledge of what exists on the business and the client side is so critical. I think if you can accompany that with more of a knowing people have a curious mindset and, and the capacity and, and willingness to learn, maybe the talent sits right there and people should be thinking differently about like where people are focusing their time and attention without just assuming it should be outsourced or you should hire another person to do that type of work. Cause for me personally, Digital, it's been entirely self-taught. Gus Davis doesn't want to hear that. The University of St. Thomas probably doesn't want to hear that. But ironically, I find myself in higher education teaching others about that now, right? So if you think about it, you're like, that's kind of fucked up. (laughs) So is there an opportunity for, you know, people to build on the foundational knowledge they have? Like I gained a ton of my foundational knowledge in my undergrad at Gus Davis and St. Thomas. It wasn't about digital or modern marketing in particular, but it really allowed me to think more critically about how to approach modern marketing. So then I think the question really becomes like, how can companies gain the foundational knowledge they need about modern marketing to successfully evolve and grow their business? A long answer to your question, but it's something I think is underhyped because there are a lot of other convenient options that people have that are right in front of them today. Mm. I, I wish we had another hour because I, I want to talk about this and I'll just kind of tip my hat a little bit. I've, I've, <laughs> I've, I've, I've got, um, I've got an outline for my first book uh, and the working title is the resilient leader. And yeah. I'm, I'm looking at how does somebody retain emotional, intellectual and physical resilience so that they can be at their best to deliver for their family and at work. And I'm working that out, but, as you were talking about what's underhyped, you were getting at the idea of how do you retain the ability to keep learning or want to keep learning when the world is changing really fast. That's how I interpreted what you said. Yeah. And what might be underhyped is it's sitting right in front of you. You're just not thinking uh, creatively about how to make the most of it. And, and by it, I mean, smart, very capable people. You just might have them focused and engineered to be solving the wrong problems where they could adapt and learn what they know to solve modern problems or more progressive things that consumers are outpacing us on that they should be working through and figuring out as a, a marketing leader. Well, yeah, what you said that sort of struck with me is, and you were talking about digital, it, it's right in front of us. And yet people aren't making the effort to try to figure it out. And that that desire or that ability or the energy to go figure it out is a, is a resource that I don't think a lot of marketers have today. And the ones that do, I think are, that's a, that's a diminishing resource as change accelerates and we're coming out of a pandemic, you know, um, 
So that's a really, I, that's a really interesting and provocative take, I think, on what is underhyped in the world of marketing. It's just like, how do you, as a marketing leader, help your team build the capacity to keep leaning into all of the stuff that's in front of them? Right. Knowing that you hired them because they're incredibly brilliant people. Like I've been so fortunate to work at awesome companies yeah. where there is no shortage of intelligence or motivation or compassion or, or interest. It, it's just a matter of how do you, <laughs> where do you spend your time solving problems with the big brain you have? And so me, it just, maybe it's underhyped because it's just not thought of as often and is a more pragmatic way perhaps to look at what's hyped and what's underhyped. Mm. Well, Craig, that's, now you got me thinking. I really appreciate that. Really grateful that you made time to talk today. I can't wait to see what you do next this summer and into the fall with Craig Plads and Consulting. It'll be cool to see. Of course, anytime. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to Business Drivers presented by Farron. Find us at hellofarron.com to learn more about the work we do, sign up for our newsletter, and find articles and resources to help you grow as a leader. Or find us on Twitter at hellofarron or on LinkedIn. If you like what you heard, please tell a friend. It's the best way for us to grow our audience. We'd love to reach more people with the work that we're doing. And if you have ideas or advice or feedback or complaints, please reach out to us on Twitter or send us an email at bizdrivers at hellofarron.com. That's B-I-Z-D-R-I-V-E-R-S at hellofarron.com. Until next time, this is Jim Keen saying thanks.